Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. You're doing the same type of project over and over again, and you got the hang of it, and you're pretty sure you're making money at it, and then all of a sudden you have to go estimate a different job. That can cause a lot of stress because you're not sure what elements might go into this bigger job or different job or more upscale job, and you don't want to lose money on it. Welcome to Rocket Your Business for Trade Contractors. This podcast is designed to help trade contractors run their businesses more efficiently and profitably by eliminating chaos and discovering new growth opportunities. Learn from experts in the trades how to rocket your business to the next level. Welcome to Rocket Your Business for Trade Contractors. I'm Chris Shank. I am the education lead here at Estimate Rocket. And we are going to do something a little special today. We get a lot of questions about estimating and the software that backs up this podcast, Estimate Rocket, knows about estimating. We have our founder, CEO, Tom Drost, always going out and speaking about estimating, job management, invoicing, tech stack, all these topics. But we get a lot of questions about estimating. So... One of the recent presentations we've decided to convert into an audio recording, and we are going to break this into two parts and put it on this podcast. We think a lot of you might be very interested in that. Tom breaks down best practices for estimating and job costing, how to find your true production rate, how to set price, how to use accurate measurements to determine an estimate, how to use the best technology for estimating. We'd love to hear your feedback. Reach out to us, support at estimaterocket.com. And if you want access to the tools we mentioned on part two, the estimating best practices checklist and the what if planning tool, I have both of those in part one and part two notes of the podcast. So go to the podcast notes and you'll find those links. Now here's part one of the Every Contractor's Guide to Estimating. Couple of thoughts, you know, about estimating. Everybody's run into this, uh, and a lot of these things vary based on the amount of experience you have. You know, if you're if you're doing your first job, um, whole different situation than if you're doing your thousandth job. So uh, everybody may be at a different place in this process, but I don't think it matters how long you've been doing it or what you've been doing. There's always always new things to learn about it. So the things about estimating, as you all know, uh, I hope you all know, and if you don't, because that's why you're here. <laughs> Um, there's a lot of different variations in the estimates that you do. You know, you, sometimes you come into, you know, you're doing the same type of project over and over again, and you got the hang of it and you're pretty sure you're making money at it. And then all of a sudden you have to go estimate a different job. Um, so, you know, that can cause a lot of stress because you're not sure what elements might go into this bigger job or a different job or more upscale job than you're used to doing. Uh, and you don't want to lose money on it at the end of the day. That's really, you know, kind of why we're here is to, is to make money. Um, the other time that this whole estimating, you know, getting your estimating process nailed down and, and processified is at some point as you grow, you're going to need to hire someone else to do the estimating sales and estimating, or maybe just estimating. Um, and, if you don't have a system anywhere but in your own brain 
you're going to have one hell of a time trying to train a new estimator. It's just going to be virtually impossible. So um, it, it really part of that process that you need to go through is for your own sanity and, and short-term profitability, but it's also for your long-term sanity because if you if you don't prepare for this, it will be daunting. Uh, it may be daunting now, but if you don't prepare for this, it'll be super daunting. You know, several years from now when it's really time to hire someone new to do the estimating for you, so you can do other things and managing your business, uh, and and that estimator can estimate with confidence, and you can have confidence in the estimates that they're doing. Um, you know, the other reason for dialing in this estimating process is you've got a situation where, you know, you're, for some reason, certain projects that you're doing are always losing money. Um, and that happens. And, and you need the ability to dial in on that and find out what are we doing or what are we not doing that's causing this, this, these projects to come up, you know, short and profitability. So, you know, the, the fundamental question here is, why you know why is this so foundational to your business? Um, here's a few reasons why. Um, the fact is, you sell hours, right? At the end of the day, most service companies sell hours. Some are more material heavy than others. Uh, painting is definitely on the lighter side, where typically 15% of your uh, of your uh, costs are going to be materials. So. Uh, and 15%, excuse me, 15% of your revenues are going to be materials, maybe even a smaller cost percentage. So what's really important for you to have nailed down is hours. Uh, materials are important too, especially as, you know, jobs get bigger or increase in size. The materials may be a small overall percentage, but they may represent a significant amount of dollars over time, again, depending upon what kind of projects you're doing. Um, secondly, you pay your team for hours worked, right? I mean... Uh, very few of uh, painters are are salaried employees. Although there's some you know some discussion of would that be a better system um, to you know pay them reward them on a salary basis with bonuses so that you incentivize them to not just worry about what's on the how many hours they've clocked but how much productivity they're getting done. But again, this all boils down to hours you can bill for in terms of how how many hours it takes to do the project. Um, you're in business to make a profit, okay? Fact, if you're not in business to make a profit, stop now and go work for someone else. There are lots of other companies that where you can make a good living and not have to worry about how much profit's there. You just have to do your job right and, and efficiently and productively and you'll make good money and so will the company you work for. But if you want to be, if you want to own a painting company or own a company of any kind, you have to be in it for profit. Otherwise, there's just no point to it. It's way too much stress to bother with it um, if you're not making any money. Final fact, companies that charge too little go out of business quickly. You may have a ton of jobs when you go out of business, but if you're not making money, you're not charging enough, you will go out of business. It is a guarantee. Uh, and it's a difficult thing to do, especially as you're growing. You know, people are very concerned and afraid of raising prices sometimes. But you have to make sure you're charging a fair amount in the market. Otherwise, you're cheating yourself. You're just giving away. You're giving money to whoever you're doing those painting jobs for. So you have to make sure you're paying yourself uh, and your company enough to pay you. So the challenge in estimating. 
somehow we need to know what to charge, right? It all comes down to how do we, how do we figure this out? And there are a lot of estimators who are very good at it, especially if you do the same kind of work repeatedly um, and you have a track record uh, who just do it by gut. You know, this is a $5,000 job. This is a $3,000 job. This is a whatever job. Uh, and that's, you know, that is definitely one approach. However, that doesn't give you that warm, fuzzy feeling when you give the customer that price that you really know how much you're going to make or believe how much you're going to make unless something goes catastrophically wrong, right? Um, to get a price, because of the fact that you pay for hours, you know, you're either paying yourself for your own hours or you're paying your team members for their hours, but that's what you pay for. That's your big cost item is hours. So to get a price, if you want to get an effective price, at some point, you need to know how many hours the job's going to take. And you can count it in days or weeks or whatever you want to count it in. But fundamentally, it all comes down to the unit that you pay. And you generally, painting companies are paying by the hour. So it's critical when you sign off on a contract with a customer that you have a good idea of how, how many hours this job is going to take you. What's our objective? Our objective is profitable sales, right? That's really the objective. It's not ridiculous amounts of sales. It's profitable. It's the right amount of profitable sales. So you are going to go, if you start pricing properly, you will see your, you may see your um, closing ratio go down. Your closing ratio go, may go down because now you've started pricing appropriately. And some people want, they don't want the experience that your company gives. They don't want this great five-star painting company to come in and do an, you know, an amazing job and leave them with an amazing experience. They just want to get the job done. And they really don't care about quality or any of the other things that you, your company offers. Okay. So got to have profitable sales it's just uh it, it's just uh it's table stakes <laughs> so and what's the second thing you want to do do more of the above do more profitable sales keep on the profitable sales track and again part of the estimating piece and job costing which we're not talking specifically about today but job costing is sort of the back end of estimating after you've done your project you have to check the results. You can't assume that you're going to make your your profit margin that you thought you were going to. You have to validate that. Just like uh, President Reagan, you know, said many years ago, trust but verify. So we want to make sure that we are making the money that we think we are on a project. So we don't come to the end of the year and find out that, you know, we made nothing. We don't want to go there. Okay. So, uh, you know, how do we how do we get started on that? Well, um, part of it depends upon where you're at in your business. Uh, if you're if you're really just getting started and you really you know don't even have any projects under your belt, or maybe you're on your first or your second project, this is difficult. If if that's the case, then on your first project, you need to start. You need to get a logbook and a, you know even or a spreadsheet or some tool that you can track the hours that you spend on and at this point i'm not even talking about tracking the hours 
you know, individual, like how many hours on walls, how many hours on ceilings, how many hours on trim. I'm just saying track the hours on this project, the directly associated hours uh, performed by, um, by your technicians or yourself. Track those. That's the beginning of job costing for you. If you do that on your first project that you have, when you're done with that project, you will be able to calculate how much money you made. It is just so super critical. I, I just cannot explain it. It will also start to give you the ability, the, the uh, history that you need to be confident in your numbers. Um, because we can talk about production rates all day, and I can give you production rates that are um, that were developed by the PCA, um, production rates that were developed by some of our successful customers. We can give you those, but you have to know if those production rates are working for you. You can't just necessarily assume that. So the fundamental truth here is we absolutely have to start by job costing and finding out how many hours it takes us to do stuff. And you can be super scientific about this, or you can just count the hours for the job. And if you count the hours for the job, and then you look at the total dollars you've got for the job, you can do a quick calculation of a number called revenue per hour. And that number is, is um, I think, kind of a, a revolutionary number, and I will give total credit for that concept to Nick Slavic. I heard him speak recently. And the concept of that calculation is so beautiful because it's really easy to get. It's really easy to take the total number of dollars you got for the project divided by the total number of direct hours worked on the project and take that number. That number is an easy number to calculate and it's an easy number to monitor. A lot of things in life are really hard to track and deal with. But this is one that's that's really, really straightforward. And that number can become a benchmark for you. So we really wanna really wanna think about that. And and but again, why do we want to do this? If we don't have a long track record, we need to build one because otherwise we're not gonna know how to, you know, we may take a year before we actually start pricing our projects properly and estimating our projects properly. So if we don't start now we're going to miss a whole year of of experience and data that we can use to really, really run our company better and get better results for our company. So critical piece and actually pretty straightforward to do. Keep a little logbook or, again, spreadsheet of the hours that you're spending, how many team members you have, and how many hours they're spending and what the total hours count is for the job. Absolutely critical, and I can guarantee you that will help you on your path to success. So a lot of, lot of information there, um, but it really is a critical calculation. We'll talk a little bit more, more a little bit later about what that calculation means. So um, measuring for pricing and profit. So again, I've talked a little bit about these, this already, but uh, we've got to calculate our, our labor. Um, production rates are a concept that are developed by doing what we just spoke about but it's more related to hours to work done, you know, specifically work done. And if you, um, you know, depending upon the type of work you're doing, uh, you can dial your, you can have production rates for each substrate. You can have production rates, you know, uh, for, uh, you know, painting handrails, painting, you know, virtually everything. And again, there's a link later on um, to the PCA standards, uh, which are, 
publicly available, but I strongly recommend if you're new to business or even not, that you uh, purchase a copy of the, of the PCA's production rates. They have spent a lot of time and effort to develop these production rates. Doesn't mean these production rates are gonna exactly apply to your business. However, they are a really rock solid guideline for where you should be. If you're way over or way under the production rates that are in the PCA production rate book, you need to find out why. You need to figure out why, because those numbers were based on science, and and that date and the data that went into that science really does work. So, um, in terms of how do we how do we get our production rates? Number one, industry standards. I probably should have these in reverse order. Um, you know, data for industry standards like the PCA uh, uh, production rates, great starting place. Um, swag. That's how a lot of uh, painters do it. Unfortunately, the shitty wild ass guess, and uh, we try to avoid those. I don't know if they, that might get bleeped out in the final copy there. I think Chris. Um, and then experience. Experience is good, but data is better. If you don't have the data to back up your your experience, then you're missing out on a really valuable piece of information that can again can help you you know work less and make more. And I think that's why a lot of people become entrepreneurs is for that very reason. So, you know, experience is good, especially when you apply experience to data, because when you have the data, then you can start to, to um, really put down real world um, measurements or production rates that explain, you know, explain, it explains your experience your experiences are always going to be valuable for your observations on the site because there's always things that are on a site that are going to affect your production rates one way or the other. You're going to have certain places where uh, you're just going to have to do a ton more prep work. Uh, you have to be able to observe that while you're doing your estimate and make sure that becomes part of your estimate. That needs to become part of how much we're going to charge in order to do this. If it doesn't, you're going to lose money on it. So the experience and the data are both extremely important. Um, you know, again, back to data, you've got industry standards we can rely on. Also internal time studies. I spoke a little bit about that before. If you do want to do time studies, uh, it's a very useful exercise. Um, your team, you need to explain what you're doing to your team uh, in terms of why you're doing production, why you're doing these time studies. They're not to, you know, abuse the team members. They are to make sure that we're, that we're doing productive work. And if we're not, then we may need some training. You know, one of the things that these time studies bring up and um, just applying standards to your estimates, one of the things that points out is, can point out training deficits where you're, you're just not giving your people enough training or your better painters are not working with your newer painters or inexperienced painters to bring them up to speed. Um, and that you know, can happen for a variety of reasons. Some people just aren't great teachers. Um, and some people are, um, are teachers, but they don't wanna teach. They're, they don't, they wanna protect that information that they've, that experience and stuff they've grown. Those are probably not your best team members, unfortunately. You really want team members that are willing to share to bring the whole team up. It's sort of like on your sports team where you, you got the hot dog who's constantly hogging the ball and won't give it up even when there's a perfect opportunity to give it up. 
well, he may score a lot of goals, but in the end, having an effective team that works together and helps each other become better is the only way to go. It really is the only way to go to build your team and improve the quality of your company. So some other things that come in, uh, we talked, I talked a little bit about experience on the last slide. So variability, that's the thing that does affect your production rates. So your production rates typically end up being based on an average of doing a particular job many times. So um, painting a certain amount of square footage over a certain time uh, will we'll come up with an average production rate. However, one of the things that the estimator has to do or be capable of doing is identifying exceptions as they go through the site. They have to be able to see uh, and, and observe and, and document in the, in the estimate, um, either internally or for the customer to see as well, what the challenges are gonna be on this project, which ultimately are going to increase the price of this project. So this is super important information to get captured. Um, one of the things you probably have to watch out for as you start to implement a system like this is you may have estimators who, who ignore that stuff because they want to have a cheap price so they make sure they close their deal and they get their commission. But once you start job costing, then it becomes very easy to have conversations at the end of a project where you can bring in the estimator and the crew and find out what happened on this project. And if the estimator is not documenting the things that the estimator needs to as they're going through the project, then that's just your perfect opportunity to, you know, let that estimator know that that's just not acceptable. And that's, that's you know, he's got to be working for the team. And if he's not bringing these things up and he and continues to do that, it may affect his commissions because we're not going to give the projects away to close the deal so he gets his commission. Another reason why you have to, you know, carefully, um, work out any commission type um, you know rewards you have for your for your team and make sure that they're based on uh, something that mo has more to do with profitability and productivity than um, just dollars just sales dollars because if again if they don't end up being profitable sales dollars then at the end of the day they're not worth it um, the other thing I think that a, a good estimator needs to be able to do obviously is to look look at the site you know what neighborhood am i in what are the expectations here of the of the customers uh some places you know people's expectations aren't that high they want to have some some nice new paint or new colors on their walls and have the trim to be shiny again and you know that's that's all they want and other other customers might have very different expectations, you know, a drip here or a drip there or something that's not completely, uh, you know, uh, uh, sanded down is going to drive them insane. Well, great, we'll take care of that, but it will be reflected in the price. So, it, but those things are critical to observe and make sure, again, that we're going to be able to charge the right price for what we're doing. Um, another another big thing is measuring um, square footage and counts, uh, depending upon what you're looking at. Um, if you're talking walls and ceilings, um, you know square footage is is the way to go. If you're talking trim, typical typically it would be linear feet. Uh, windows would and doors typically would be counts. So in the ideal world, the the one of the jobs the estimator has should 
be responsible for is to measure and count, you know, the physical, the physical um, area and get those down uh, in, in appropriately. Um, the other approach that you can use is instead of necessarily measuring every square foot, you may find that there's a price for a room, um, a big room, may, maybe you have three rooms, a small, a medium, and a large room, um, but it, 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 because of the nature of where the time gets spent when you're actually performing the work, there are probably times when the exact measurements are not, in fact, critical. In an exterior, they may be a little more critical because generally you're talking uh, more of the same material, but on internal projects, they may not be as critical. And small, medium, large may actually fit the bill for you. I'm still an advocate of exact measurements, but I know that uh, I do believe that it's possible with the right data to come up with a small, medium, large type concept based on the square footage in an area, in a, in a room. Um, and already spoke of counting, uh, you know, doors, windows, uh, anything that's an, that's an each type item that you're going to perform. You need to, you know, count those as items in terms of your production rates. Um, these are just some samples of what, you know, an exterior estimating template might look like. Um, this would obviously be in one row. But it's basically a list of all the things, all the services and types of things that you're, you might do on an exterior project. So uh, this could be on paper. This could be in a computer program. Um, in, in this particular example is an estimate rocket example. Uh, and this is all, of course, customizable by each customer. But um, basically, you can see that it's measurements and counts. It's square feet. It's linear feet. It's, it's quantities. Uh, and in certain cases, it's hours and dollars. So, you know, on the oddball things like, hey, sorry, uh, Mrs. Jones, but this project is going to take us an extra eight hours to sand and caulk and, uh, you know, mask out the area. Um, so, or maybe it's extra prep, maybe it's some equipment, you know, an extra dollar expense for a rental or something. But that stuff all needs to get captured on the estimate. And certainly, you know, the easier it is to get this stuff down, the quicker your estimate goes. And if you've got good data behind your estimate and your production rates, then you should be coming out with a very, you know, with, a, with figures that are very close to what your target revenue per hour is. Well, that was part one. Join us next week for the release of part two of the Every Contractor's Guide to Estimating. Thanks for being with us. Rocket Your Business for Trade Contractors is brought to you by Estimate Rocket, makers of the top sales and job management software for contractors. Manage the chaos and rocket your business to the next level. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.